with insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. And now, your Jewish Patriot, Cindy Gross. Welcome to this special show of the Jewess Patriot with Cindy Gross. I am Cindy Gross, your host, today's premier Jewish woman activist, talking about the headlines and trends that affect Jews around the world. And you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of this show because knowledge is power. Join me in my opening because I am Zisel Peril, which means sweet pearl in Yiddish. And here are my opening pearls of wisdom. So, why is Israel so important and on the minds of so many Americans, both Jewish and non-Jewish? Is it because they support Israel or are they against Israel? Today's young generation that's voting doesn't remember hearing the stories of how grandfathers and fathers went into the concentration camps as American soldiers and saw what happened to Jews just because they were Jewish. Many of the today's voters who are voting for the first time don't remember the pride of a country winning a war in six days, the Davids versus their Goliath in 1967. And many of them don't even remember the headlines, the news, television news, seeing that picture of Prime Minister Menachem Begin, President Bill Clinton, and Yasser Arafat all standing together making peace or attempting to make peace. Many in this generation doesn't understand or they don't understand the fact that 9-11 happened because of radical Islamic terrorists who despise the democracy of both Israel and the United States. And today, many of the elected officials from both parties have been taught in public schools opinion versus fact. And it's only on their own uh, tri uh, trial that they go and they see what the truth is. And when I say trail, I mean, they take the steps. They go to the libraries, they interview people, they actually go to Israel. But for the majority of us, if we're not politically inclined to follow history correctly, we are misled about a history of a strong, Israeli-American relationship. And that is why tonight's show is featuring two award-winning journalists from Israel. And the heavy topics that we are going to discuss affect you whether or not you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, atheist. Because Israel is among 29 countries in the Middle East as the only democracy. The one thing everybody else has in common is that they could all like or dislike Israel. And that is the reason why this is not a Jewish issue. This is not an American issue. This is an international is issue because the success of Israel is a success of international technology, agriculture, medicine, human resources, humanitarian deeds, not to mention, can you imagine no Israel, no Bethlehem, no Jerusalem during this time of Christmas as we celebrate Hanukkah or during Easter when we celebrate Passover? So for all of my audience, this show is especially important because we are all Zionist. We all believe the existence of Israel as it is written in the Bible, as it is legal, 
as it is emotional to us all. And we all benefit financially from the advances that have come out of the state. One little piece of land surrounded by an oasis of countries filled with oil, money, power. We're not asking to take over the entire Middle East, but we just want our little piece of land in peace and happiness. And we encourage and invite Arab, especially Arab women, to come and live and work and get educations in Israel as long as you respect the Israeli government that has Arabs in it, elected officials. What's going on in Israel today is complete, unnecessary chaos and terror. And we're going to talk about it further when we come back. In the latest spy thriller from Pencraft first place award-winning novelist, Jeffrey S. Stevens, comes his best character yet. CIA operative Nick Reagan in The Handler. The Handler is the new heart-pounding, dizzying global conspiracy novel that follows the adventure of two CIA operatives from New York to Pakistan, Paris, Las Vegas, and ultimately, America's heartland as they race to prevent a series of terrorist attacks. Here's what's being said about The Handler. Think Jason Bourne for The New Millennium, Ryan Steck, Editor-in-Chief, The Real Book Spot. Pulsing with reality, The Handler takes you to the precipice with thrills and terror at every hairpin turn. Best-selling author, Chris Beakey. A taut terrorism thriller that mesmerizes with a dizzying global conspiracy and believable stakes. BestThrillers.com Available now on Amazon.com and wherever you get your favorite books. Get your copy and put yourself right in the middle of the CIA's toughest mission yet. My award-winning novel, Jeffrey S. Stevens. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. Many of you know that I have been writing regularly for Arucheva Israel National News now for a few years. And joining us now is the editor-in-chief, Yoni Kempinski, and he is here to discuss with us what is going on in Israel and what Israelis are talking about what's going on in America. So thank you so much for joining the show. I think this is the first time I'm interviewing you. You usually interview me. Thank and, you for having uh, me. I want to thank you for allowing me to have a voice through your uh outlet. And uh, we want to know there is so much going on in Israel. First, I want to talk about the return of Bibi, because that's what's on a lot of people's mind here and what it will mean to the American-Israeli relationship. So first of all, you're saying uh, the return of Bibi. And it's important to note that in, during these days, we're in the days of re the return of the political Bibi, the uh, game player, because as you know, it's taking time. Uh, most people thought that, you know, a few days, he, Netanyahu, said that a week after the uh, victory, there will be a government, and there's no government yet, because there's lots of games and political fights and struggles and disputes inside what we define as the right. So uh, Netanyahu is back, but it's taking time. Um, he will get this government uh, to go, and the, the government will happen, and there will be a government. But uh, so far, it's taking time because there's lots of issues of, you know, one of the big issues are the National Religious Party. The National Religious Party, they came together, they brought 14 mandates together. And as many warned before, Netanyahu wasn't, the, the, you know, the religious items in party wasn't the first that he called. And now uh, he's not giving in to their demands. And there's a feeling, and this is from right to left, that Netanyahu always, uh, you know, takes them for granted, the religious Zionism. So that's in terms of the internal politics. That's what's happening now. Uh, today, the leader of the religious Zionism party said that uh, everything will be okay and there will be a government. But that's where we're holding right now. Uh, and also in terms of the international relations, you know, um, we're hearing reports that uh, states around the world are worried 
who is going to be the defense minister, who is going to be the internal defense minister. Of course, we're talking about Smotrich and Ben Gvir. And I spoke with the uh, U.S. ambassador uh, to Israel, Tom Nides. And when I asked him about that, he said, we'll see which ministries they'll get. And then he said also, we'll see what statements they make. So yes, there is an issue really that America especially are looking carefully. I don't know if they're actually sending messages, but they are saying we're here to notice and we're going to take a look who becomes which minister and mainly what kind of declaration statements and actions uh, really happen after that. So there's going to be lots of pressure regarding this government. The pressure will also come probably directly to Benny Gantz. Why? Because there's a theory or there's an assessment that says that uh, soon, maybe not at this point, there will be pressures even from around the world coming to Benny Gantz saying, listen, you, you have to be part of this government, create a unity government. We can't have this right-wing government, um, this narrow right-wing government. So that's also something very interesting that we're going to see maybe uh, as it goes on. Well, you also are one of the um, Israeli outlets that follows the American political scene very carefully. And probably, I consider you probably one of the top three or four uh, experts in Israel on the American-Israeli relationship. What do you see? We just finished our election cycle here. I know that you covered the Republican Jewish Coalition's uh, uh, annual event. And what do you see and what are you hearing from Israelis about their concerns about our relationship in regards to the new elections? Yeah, so there was very extensive coverage of uh, the uh, midterm elections in Israel because it's interesting what's going on there. It's interesting what will be with uh, uh, President Trump, for example, what's with the uh, power, the strength of uh, Biden, also his physical strength and also his political strength. Uh, but there was something that was very noticeable. You probably noticed it as well, living there, that uh, as different than what happened uh, before in the past, uh, the issue, the Israeli issue wasn't an issue in your elections. So that was something that we talked about a lot here, uh, also on Arutseva, also on other uh, Israeli media outlets, that it's not really so sure that once it was like some people said, I'm pro-Israel, some uh, candidates used to say, no, I'm not really so pro-Israel, I'm pro-Palestinian. That issue was a non-issue now because there's so many internal issues happening by you in the United States that we've all noticed here that Israel is not really a big issue. We, of course, as Israeli note, uh, notice who out of the Republicans is pro-Israeli, most of them, what exactly is going on uh, with the Democrats. But it was a very noticeable issue that the Israeli topic was actually a non-issue this time. Well, you bring that up, and I brought this up in my opening. I am very upset as an American Jew and as a patriot, the fact that almost every single day in Israel, there are terror attacks and innocent victims, people going to school, going to supermarkets, uh, just walking on the street in broad daylight are being attacked, knifed to death, beaten to death. Um, murdered viciously, and the American press is basically ignoring it. And it's upsetting me tremendously and many others. What is going on in Israel, and why is this happening so much? So I'll tell you, the feeling is that there's not there's not a feeling of fear. There's not a feeling of terror, because Israel has you know coped with this for, for years, for generations. And it's not about living in fear. That's important to say. But for example, the fact that in the morning of the uh, new Knesset, we were in the Knesset, very, you know, it was supposed to be a very celebrative, uh, festive day, uh, holiday really, of the democratic system of Israel. The new Knesset coming in that day, three people were killed in Ariel. And that's what life is about now in Israel. But also something that we strongly felt was that being in the Knesset, then Many, you know, hinted it's because of this government. It's because of that government. We'll do it differently. We won't do it differently. But some Knesset members uh, actually said, you know, the truth is that they always want to kill us. So that's something we have to understand that for generations, Holocaust, <laughs> Crusades, every, they, they're, they're always out there. There'll always be someone who's out there and their goal is to attack Israelis, to kill Israelis. The question is the, the motivation. The question is, for example, one of the claims from the right is that if you 
build, for example, you flourish in Judea and Samaria and show them that that's the result of their terror, of their incitement, then that could uh, at least harm or, or do something to their motivation to seeing that they're, they're not victorious. On the, other, on the other hand, when they see retreats, concessions, then that, of course, motivates more terror. That's, of course, one of the sides of the, the political uh, debate regarding terror. Um, the IDF is doing a lot. The IDF is doing a lot. The IDF did a lot, by the way, in Shechem regarding those, you know, the, a bandit, a, a group of, 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 of young Arabs uh, from Shechem who attacked and shot at the Jews, Israelis, soldiers in many locations in the Shemron. And the IDF dealt with that group specifically. So the IDF is working very, very hard. Many politicians are saying it can do even more. The IDF, by the way, for those who don't know, is is the Israeli Defense League. Uh, Defense Forces, sorry. Um, Defense Forces. Um, What I wanted to ask you is, what is the opinion of many Americans right now with uh, the talks already of 2024 elections? Because, I mean, I was in Israel, the embassy opening. I was with you, in fact. And, of course, the Christian Zionists were very... uh, thrilled to, uh, and to supported Trump with the embassy move. And uh, now you hear talks about possibly a run with Trump, with Ron DeSantis, who you know very well. You and I would have been with the Governor DeSantis many times together. And other names are coming up that are also very pro-Israel. So what are people talking about there about the elections? So it's obvious uh, to many that the Republicans have a more pro-Israel agenda, pro-Israel stance. And we also know that many, many Jews are uh, uh, Democrats. So in terms of Israel, we saw Netanyahu participating, taking part in the Republican Jewish Coalition event. Uh, I do think that we'll see him participate if there's any Democrat Jewish event or anything like that. I do think that he will take part. But it's very obvious to everyone that as the Israeli system is going uh, back to the right, then there is hope among many in Israel that also in America it'll go back to the right. But specifically regarding who is the best for the Jews or the best for Israel, then everyone is being very diplomatic about that in Israel. And you won't hear anybody saying at this point inside these, I mean, could be that you'll hear people talking right. to each other, but the, the main statements that you'll hear is that they're all good for us. We'll see who is better because people here in Israel, as also in America, understand that, for example, Donald Trump, as much as he was a friend of Israel, politically speaking, in the United States, he may may not bring enough. It may deter others. He may motivate more Democrats to come out and vote. Uh, Maybe others will come in. DeSantis, Haley will come in and they will bring in more extra value to the Republican Party. But there is a, a feeling in Israel that we know that at least in that group, the Republicans, they're all good, good friends of the state of Israel. And there's nothing to worry, at least at this point, from that uh, angle. Look, you talk about Bibi with the, the Democrats. Bibi was one of the first elected leaders to actually congratulate President Biden on his election and has tried endlessly to, to work with people within the administration because he knows so many of these mm-hmm. people for so many years. So No, him yes. and Biden are, are very, very friendly. They're very good friends. Lapid, there was a picture, of course, when Biden came to Israel uh, and, and uh, everyone was sh- showing off how they had the best handshake with him, the best hug. And only, it took a, a few, maybe an hour or two to find in the video footage, the live video footage from the Ben Gurion airport that his hug and his talk with Bibi was the most friendly, the most, you know, came out of the heart because they're, they're, they've been working together uh, for years. And there's a feeling in Israel, by the way, that, you know, there's a lot of talk if it's Obama number two. There's, there's hope, at least there was hope for, for some time already, that this is not Obama number two, at least in terms of the personal connection between mm-hmm. Biden and Netanyahu. 
Well, I just wrote a piece that just uh, was published on Arachever about what's going on in Pennsylvania. You know that they have now a a senator by the name of John Fetterman, who probably will not be so pro-Israel and will have a very big voice if the uh, look, you know, they do have the majority. But there is also a new squad member that people are not talking about out of Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. the same area that the Tree of Life synagogue was uh, terrorized. And there is a feeling that the Democratic Party is going more left and more progressive. How do Israelis feel they can prepare themselves to negotiate and have relationships with people from the squad, from the progressive side that want a Palestinian state and actually, you know, call things like BDS apartheid and and Italian? It's, it's important to, to know, to divide the things, because you mentioned now who want a Palestinian right. state. There are Israelis who want a Palestinian state, who feel that that is the right solution for Israel. But by the way, if you look in the Knesset, if you look at the 120 mandates now, people are saying like there's 64 for the right. No, there's around, you can call 75 mandates that are people from the right. There's the whole issue of anti-BB, pro-BB, and that created the 64 uh, versus whatever's left in the Knesset out of these 120 seats. But there are many, many that are against the Palestinian state. But I could tell you that regarding the squad, uh, they're not un- unless they come out with like these very drastic and 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 uh, uh, you know problematic quotes. We're not hearing lots of uh, Israelis relating to them. Uh, they're looking more at uh, Biden, as I mentioned, the visit to Israel and the handshakes and the hugs. Um, it, I could tell you that it's not something that worries Israelis. You may say not enough that it shouldn't worry. But at this point, uh, it's it's mainly about Joe Biden, the president of the United States. Even the talk about Kamala Harris being more anti-Israeli, we're not hearing any of that talk in Israel. Uh, there's hope that Biden and Netanyahu, as I said, will work together and that he'll put aside and that the, the squad will be only, you know, quotes and statements in the media and nothing more than that. So the big headline out of the Republican Jewish coalition was that... Uh, Kevin McCarthy, who will be the majority leader probably of the House, said that he is going to take Ilan Omar off the Foreign Relations Committee because of her anti-Semitic remarks. So that is right. a, a very big step for American-Israeli relations. I want to talk about something totally different because people always uh, are very excited, especially my non-Jewish friends, about all the advances around the world that people appreciate from Israel and that we don't discuss enough. And of course, now Tel Aviv, the real estate all over the place, is is booming. Tell us what it's like in Israel today, all the exciting and good things going on. <laughs> well, it's still it's still it's still a startup nation. Uh, man, mainly by the way about the marketing nation, very good at marketing, uh technologically speaking in terms of health, in terms of dealing with COVID. There's lots of things that Israel has done that uh, people are learning around the world. Um, we are seeing also lots of uh, businesses that are working with the United Arab Emirates, with Bahrain, hoping that there will be more and more connections with the Arab uh, states as maybe the Abraham Accords develop. Uh, by the way, there's official there's flights now flying from Israel to Qatar to the uh, World Cup, the football soccer World Cup. And that's also something very interesting. Will that, uh, you know, will that go ahead and develop into something more connection between the states? Only time will tell. There was a feeling that not yet. Uh, but in terms of what the, the the opportunities, thanks to the Abraham Accords, that is something very, very special that we're seeing. At the beginning, it was like the big headlines, but there are so many little things that are happening, little big things, uh, developments, technological issues, and businesses that are working. Uh, you know, it's a globalized world now. And Israel's very, very seriously a part of that. Yes, it is. In fact, a brand new embassy, I believe, just is was just announced that it's going to be opening. Azar- Tell us more Az- about that. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Very, very good. And that's really, again, part of the spirit of Abraham Accords. It's going to be in Tel Aviv, where uh, that's not a surprise, of course. Uh, but uh, yes, Azerbaijan. And of course, Israel has something very big coming up, the 75th anniversary that a lot of people are talking about in America. 
And uh, I'm sure you are involved in a lot of the activities, the planning for what will be a very memorable anniversary. First of all, we have to hope that there are no political, uh, you know, uh, and there will be. There will be, always be political issues around who's going to be at the ceremony. And that, that we're, we're, we work in a news studio. That's what we're all about. The behind the scenes, the news stories and the who's against who. We're going to see a lot of that. But it's Israel and it'll be very, very full of celebrations. It's also very, very moving to know that on the one hand, you have the celebrations that we see on TV, Israeli TV, with the fireworks and all. While at the same time, in synagogues around Israel, people are reciting the Hallel, praying, thanking God for this state, for this miracle of the state of Israel. And especially on Yom Atzmaut, Independence Day, it all combines the victory of the army, the technological issues and developments and successes and businesses, and the Jewish people thanking their God for the miracle. So we're excited. Well, Yoni, anything else you want to share with us? Just thank you for your work and keep on doing the good work and we'll be in touch. You absolutely are welcome back anytime. We love having you on and we love to hear the news from Israel because we have so many Jewish and Christian Zionists watching us around the world. And I want to thank you once again for letting me be a part of Israel National News, Arucheva. And Thank you for uh, your I'll be sending in an article this week as usual. Thanks so we'll much again. It's Arucheva Israel National News. Thank you so much, Yoni. Bye. Lahit Rot. In the latest spy thriller from Pencraft first place award-winning novelist Jeffrey S. Stevens comes his best character yet. CIA operative Nick Reagan in the handler. The Handler is the new heart-pounding, dizzying global conspiracy novel that follows the adventure of two CIA operatives from New York to Pakistan, Paris, Las Vegas, and ultimately, America's heartland as they race to prevent a series of terrorist attacks. Here's what's being said about The Handler. Think Jason Bourne for the new millennium. Ryan Steck, editor-in-chief, The Real Book Spot. Pulsing with reality, the Handler takes you to the precipice with thrills and terror at every hairpin turn. Best-selling author Chris Beakey. And a taut terrorism thriller that mesmerizes with a dizzying global conspiracy and believable stakes. BestThrillers.com Available now on Amazon.com and wherever you get your favorite books. Get your copy and put yourself right in the middle of the CIA's toughest mission yet. My award-winning novel, Jeffrey S. Stevens. Welcome back to the show. Joining us now is not only a, a well-known journalist, a true Zionist, but also a dear friend who I have been fortunate enough to spend time with in Israel and America. Avi Abela, you know him from the Pulse of Israel and from 12 Tribe Films, is a very well-respected journalist. He is a documentarian, and he is an authority on what is going on in Israel and how it relates to America as well, because I believe he made Aliyah. And he's shaking correct. his head. So welcome to the show. And... It's good to see you. I'd rather be with you in person. But I think this is the first time I'm actually interviewing you for the show. And uh, there is a lot to discuss, and it's not all so good. You are somebody who uh, covers a lot of the daily activities going on in Israel. And unfortunately, in America, we don't have too much news going on about the daily attacks on innocent women, children, fathers, uh, just people trying to live their daily lives, going to work, to school, to pray, and they're getting viciously attacked and murdered. And I know this is a passion of yours to uh, report on. So give us the latest on what's going on. Well, first of all, Cindy, it is a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you in person once again on your next trip to Israel with all the different sites we'll see. 
um, and experiences we'll have. So yes, I'm, uh, you know me well, I'm passionate about telling people the politically incorrect truth that the establishment media, not just the US media, but even Jewish media and Israeli media uh, ignore uh, in publicizing to, to, to the public for whatever reasons, whatever agendas, unfortunately. And the agenda is not a truthful agenda. It's not agenda to actually uh, stand up for the protection of uh, the Jewish people and the Jewish state of Israel, even our own media pundits. It's, it's very disappointing. In terms of uh, the daily attacks, first of all, I want to prefacize. I, 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 first of all, I want to preface with the following. Even though I'm going to talk about the, the, the terror attacks and, and some of the stonings that take place on a daily basis, Israel is an unbelievable, unbelievable place to come and visit today. Even with whatever's going on, uh, everything ultimately for 99% of the time is safe. And I, I'm a proud uh, Jewish settler, even though they use that in the negative sense. I look at it at the, at the biblical positive sense. I am settling my homeland here in the hills of Judea. Just um, from my uh, from my uh, porch, I look over at Bethlehem, and then 20 da- minutes down the ride is che- uh, down the road is Hebron and the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs. I'm right in the thick of the actual Bible Belt, and I am proud to be a Jew. Uh, resettling our ancestral homeland and with it all it's a place to come and visit there are visitors every single day all over the place and 99% of the time everything is safe with I'm that, glad you said that just like that and by the way not only is it a place to visit but to all my listeners Jewish and non-Jewish who are thinking about in a real estate investment the number one place right now to buy land is in Israel. Yes, the rule the rule of real estate in Israel is the price always go up. If you if you're thinking of buying today, don't wait till tomorrow. Buy today. The price tomorrow is already going to be higher. It's just 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 the way it goes here. So and you're buying a biblical investment, so you can't go wrong with that. Um so, so yeah, so overall, it's it's wonderful life. We travel these roads every day. I was just in Hebron myself uh, not that long ago. Um, on the real daily news cycle of events, every day there are some terror attacks that take place that the media does not report upon to the public and even the Israeli media here to the Israeli public. And the way people know about it is because of word of mouth, because of pictures, because of videos that are taken at events, and it gets out to the public around the media, which is not reporting upon it. Uh, just a few days ago, there was a mother driving home, actually not that far away from me, only a 20-minute drive away from me, and um, unfortunately, she, was, she wasn't she was stoned. She had boulders thrown at her car while she was driving home, end of the day, from work, with, I think, one or two of her children in the back seat, and... Uh, and miraculously, no one was hurt. You could see the video footage of the rocks. Her windshield totally smashed. The rocks went through the windshield. Rocks came through the side, all side window. Thank God her and her children were not harmed. But it was a miracle. And these are miracles that take place every single day, whether they're stoning attacks, whether they're stabbing attacks, whether they're shooting attacks. Um, and just to translate this into... Uh, into the feeling of the street of the Israeli public, one of the major reasons, uh, one of the political parties that is ter- that is coined by the Western media as right extremists, the reason they got so many votes, and not just from right-wingers or religious, but many, many left-wingers voted for that right-wing extremist party, is because not just in Judea and Samaria, but throughout Israel, there is a feeling of the public that uh, they are left unprotected by the authorities, that the army is not doing what's necessary to protect Israeli citizens in Judea and Samaria. The police are not doing what's necessary to protect all Israeli citizens, whether Jew or Arab, um, throughout Israel. uh, Crime and nationally motivated crime, not just with uh, burglaries and not just with carjackings, but also with terror attacks from Israeli Arab citizens against other Israeli citizens are at an all-time high. And it's because of that feeling that the current authorities and experts in the field of defense, army officials, police who've been running things all these years, 
they're not they're not fulfilling their responsibility to the public for the roles that they felt that they are supposed to fulfill. And hence, one of the parties that was the, the major winner in this latest of elections that we're still waiting for the government to take shape and see which parties are part of it and which roles each party has and responsibilities. But the third largest party was this right extremist. And again, I'm using the terminology of the of of the press and the Biden administration even warned Netanyahu not to not to have the their representatives as ministers, but the Israeli public made them and voted for them to be the third largest party because they are the party standing up strongly for protecting the physical safety of Israeli citizens, Jew, Arab, non-Jew alike, because all of us are affected by this growing uh, terror and violence from a nationalist motivated public, which is the, the Arab Muslim public, unfortunately. So you you actually jumped into what was going to be my next question in regard to the Arab Israelis who are living there. And we are finding out that a lot of these attacks are from people that have work um, passports and uh, they are it, citizens why are they suddenly attacking Israel when they have benefited in every what way, shape, and form of their life? I mean, especially women uh, try living in an Arab country and having the benefits of being able to make the kind of money they do to live, you know, and have education and live among people in a community the way they have, whether or not they're Jew. Christian or Arab, they don't have those benefits in those other countries. So why all of a sudden is this happening? So Cindy, you ask, you ask the million dollar question that unfortunately no one takes the time to actually think about and analyze and answer and diagnose correctly in order to then come up with the correct solution to solve the problem. Everyone prefers to ignore that million dollar question. And I just want to preface following what you what you were just saying, because this is something I tell people all the time. The most blessed Arab Muslims in the Middle East are those who live as Israeli citizens under the Jewish people in the Jewish state of Israel. Why? Because in Israel, any Arab Muslim, whether a Sunni, whether a Shiite, whether a woman, whether a gay, they all have freedom and equality to have whatever job they want, to walk down the streets safely and securely, to potentially to be the prime minister of Israel, right? To be a parliamentarian in Israel's Knesset, to run Israeli hospitals, to, 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 to be Supreme Court judges. That is the truth about the state of Israel and the true um, way we treat our Arab Muslim minority who live as Israeli citizens. And that's a truth that the press and the media and the politicians do not tell the public. They prefer to say Israel is an apartheid state, which is a total lie. So their lives are, like we say in Hebrew, tutim, strawberries, right? It's wonderful. They have the ability to, to live wonderful lives with total freedom and equality. So why would Israeli Arabs who enjoy this freedom and equality, and some of them have wonderful lives, they're not a, pure, a poor, oppressed people, just like there are rich Jews, there are rich Arabs, just like there are poor Jews, there are poor Arabs. Right. There are plenty of well-off Arabs. You can go drive, drive around up north or down south. They have huge mansions that most Jews couldn't even dream of building because they're allowed to get away with the law not enforcing the law because of affirmative action and the police being afraid to enforce the law against the Arabs, right? Any, anyone in America who understands how affirmative action has been used against the American people, well, same thing here in Israel against the Jewish population. They, they let them get away with actually going against the law. Their life is great. So why would they, would they want to do terror attacks? And not just do terror attacks, why would they support terror attacks against Israel? Um, and that's, again, touching upon the politics. Israel has a number of Arab or Arab Muslim uh, parties in, the, in Israel's parliament, the Knesset, and all of them, all of them have representatives who have clearly voiced support for terror against Israel and support for the absolute destruction of the Jewish state of Israel. Now, even though it's against Israeli law for anyone with those views to serve in Israel's uh, Knesset, that's a different topic that has to do with the progressiveness of the courts that go against the law and allow that to happen. But 
those are their representatives in Israel's Knesset. They're not looking after their their public, the Arab Israeli citizens. They're looking after how they can destroy the Jewish state of Israel by when they're sitting in Israel's parliament. So again, your question is a good one. Is a good one. Why would they do that? And I'll answer you by by telling you about an interview I just did this week in, in my Pulse of Israel program with a, a, an Israeli-born Muslim who's uh, who at the age of 19 converted to Judaism. You don't hear many Muslims who convert to Judaism. And he's an Israeli-born born in Yafo, and he still lives in Israel, even though he lived abroad in Canada for a few years. And now he is a religious Jew living in Israel. And I asked him, please tell me, and his name is Timor. Timor, tell me, how much of the Arab-Israeli public actually support terror against Israel and against Israelis, Jewish Israelis? And he answered me as follows. All right, and this is a boy who at 19 years old, he converted to Judaism. So he was a Muslim most of his life. He's only 29 years old today. He said, Avi, 100% of the Arab-Israeli public do not complain when Jews are hurt in terror attacks. People have to internalize that, right? People must internalize that. He said only a minority will go out and use terror, actually be violent and try to kill Jews, but 100% of the Arab public who are Israeli citizens, they have Israeli citizenship, they enjoy all the freedoms and benefits to live the most blessed life without being afraid of being killed by a Sunni Muslim or a Shiite Muslim or a woman or a gay, total freedom and equality, 100% of them are quietly supportive of terror against Jews. Now, you know what? Even if it's not, if it's not 100%, even if it's 50%, it's still too many. It's one percent too many, considering this is a place they chose to live. No one tells them they have to stay here. They could leave the same way you wanted to leave America to go live in Israel. The same way people are leaving New York to move to Florida for a better life. No one puts anybody in a situation that they have to live there. They what? chose to live there because they know the alternatives in those Arab states. 100%. And then we go back to your question. Okay, so then, so if they're enjoying the benefits of living as Israeli citizens, yet they're willing to support terror with Jews being killed and, and the ultimate destruction of the Jewish state of Israel, where, if you just look around the Middle East, every single other Arab Muslim state in our area is a failed Arab Muslim state where they kill each other. If you're a Sunni state, you kill the Shiites. If you're a Shiite state, you oppress the, the Sunnis and, and females don't have equal rights and gays are thrown off of rooftop, rooftops, right? This is Egypt. This is Gaza. This is Jordan. This is Lebanon. This is Syria, right? So why would they want the ultimate destruction of the Jewish state of Israel if they could end up living in, in, a, in a Lebanon type run country instead of Israel? Like, it makes no sense to the Western mind. And that's why I tell people, folks, when it comes to the Middle East, stop using your Western paradigm of thinking. This is the Middle East. This isn't Kansas. The rules of life, the culture, the politics, it's a totally different region of the world. And the reason we don't have peace here time after time, this is over 100 years that the Western world has tried to bring up and enforce peace processes and peace plans for our region, right? Start of the 1910s, right? And continue the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Till these days, it continues. The Western world keeps on coming up with peace plans because they are misdiagnosing the problem. They are misdiagnosing the motivation of the Arab Muslims to continue using terror against us and to kill us Jews, even if they're living good lives. What do they think? Oh, they want their own land. If you only give them your own land, if they only have their own autonomy, their own state, the two-state solution, peacefully living side by side, will have peace. That's the Western paradigm, right? Two people fighting over a piece of land. 
let's compromise, and then we'll we'll be able to live peacefully, put a nice fence between each other, and we'll leave peacefully with the compromise. But all of a sudden, you're dealing with a different region. This isn't Kansas. This is the Middle East. And the ultimate motivation of the Arab Muslims is for there not to be a Jewish state living here at all. It is a religious conflict that goes back thousands of years. Still today, whether in Israel or whether on college campuses in America, and I I, I challenge people to look at some of the videos of pro anti-Israel, anti-Semitic protests on college campuses or in the streets of New York. First, you're going to hear from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now, where are the Jews? That's genocide. Those are chants being screamed at on the streets of New York, which which is support for genocide. And here, you're not talking about Muslim Arabs who are living in Syria or Jordan. You're talking about Muslim Arabs who are American, who live in Brooklyn, who live in Queens, who live in Manhattan, screaming these screams, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That means there's no place for Jews. That means throwing the Jews into the sea. That means killing all Jews. That is support for genocide. So that's the first thing you're going to hear. The second thing you're going to hear is a chant that goes, Kaibar, Kaibar, Ya Yehud. What chant are they saying? What's this Kaibar, Kaibar chant? Well, Kaibar was a village in what's today Saudi Arabia before Islam took over and conquered the whole Middle East and Northern Africa. It was a Jewish tribe in a village that then Muhammad ended up decimating, killing all the Jews, uh, raping the women. You're not talking about yesterday. Kaibar, everyone Google Kaibar and the Jewish village of Kaibar and what Muhammad did to the Jews of Kaibar. This is over a thousand years ago, yet you have Arab Muslims today, today on college campuses in America, streets of New York, in Israel, Europe, screaming Kaibar, Kaibar, Ya Yehud. Yehud is Jew, meaning Kaibar, they want to kill us just like they killed us back in Kaibar. This is in a thousand plus year conflict where they do not want to see Jews living in Israel or for their even to obviously not to be a, the Jews having their own state. So cutting up the state of Israel into two different states between one who believes in genocide and wanting to kill Jews, no matter how good their lives are, they still want to kill us. So one, one state for them and then one state for us with a fence between us, that's not going to cut it. That's just going to continue the conflict and, and continue to motivate them even more to continue killing us because, hey, they were just given more land and the, and the world, is, world is giving them money, world is giving them land, world is letting them getting away with being a genocidal culture where they teach their children in kindergarten to kill Jews. And that actually happens with the United States funding, with European funding, with the United Nations funding. UNRWA schools teach kids how to use guns in Gaza camps. All right, summer camp is teaching Little kids, how to use guns, real guns, right? That's your tax money being used to brainwash little children how to kill Jews. That is the, the, the essence of the conflict. And then, so the solution, Cindy, I couldn't say a solution better than yours. It's very simple. The world, first of all, gets out of the way because they just cause problems. The billions of dollars they give to the Palestinian Authority, which people should know, the Palestinian Authority that the world considers our peace partner, they have a law on the books. This is a law, a law on the books that gives a life salary to any terrorist who kills Jews. How can that be considered a peace partner? How can that not be considered an enemy, not just an enemy of the Jewish people in the state of Israel, but an enemy to mankind? Having a law in the books to give a life salary to a terrorist who, who succeeds in killing Jews, that's the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, their genocidal cultures. And so the, the, the answer is, like you said, okay, we have to tell our enemies, anyone who agrees with uh, uh, ultimately destroying the Jewish state of Israel and killing Jews, if you want to live here peacefully, put down your guns, stop supporting terrorism, and you'll live peacefully. But if you use terror against us or you support the use of terror against us and support the destruction of the Jewish state of Israel, your place is not here with us. Go find a different place around the world. And if you continue to live here supporting terrorism and supporting the destruction of Israel, well, ultimately, you will be punished for that and you won't be able to live with the, with the rights and the liberties given to citizens. We will strip you of your citizenship because you support the destruction of the state that you live in. So the solution is actually very simple. 
We're not going to get there until our politicians start talking about what the actual problem is. And, and that's what this new right-wing party is bringing to the table and why so many Israelis are happy that they will hopefully be part of this government. They want to stop the charade of the Israeli government treating the Palestinian Authority like a potential peace partner and start treating it like, a, like an enemy that supports the destruction of Israel, which it does. Its charter says that, its laws say that, its support of terrorism says that. So that's why this party got so much support and we are hoping and praying that with uh, that party hopefully being in this upcoming parliament, Knesset and the government, uh, that we will see a change not just on the political level of actually dealing with them as terror as as a ter terrorist supporting enemy, but also we will have the protection on the ground via the army and the police that have been brainwashed over the years by the progressive thinking of, oh, they're a poor oppressed people. If we just give them more arm more money, more land, more uh, jobs, affirmative action, that will do the that, that will do the trick. And I was actually asked by a journalist for for the Israeli uh, paper Haaretz, right? A left-wing one of the most left-wing papers here in Israel that unfortunately is also written in English and spews its hatred and its anti-Israel position around the world. And she asked me, why are so many people supporting, why do people uh, trust Smutrich and Ben Gvir to be defense minister or the minister of the interior security, which is basically in charge of the police, if they have no experience? And I answered her as follows. I gave her two reasons and she didn't write any of this answer in her article that she actually wrote up about my uh, That's about always my, what happens when you're talking me, to right? Uh huh. So I so said very this? simply, right, very simply, answer number one, for decades, we have had defense ministers and ministers of internal security in charge of the police who have been the experts, who have been from the field, who have been from the army, from the police. And guess what? They have proven to us that they can't bring the goods. They can't protect us after decades of experts running the authorities, the, the army and the police. And I said in number two, and this I explained to your audience just before, all those experts were wrong with their solutions because they misdefined the diagnosis. And if you misdefine the diagnosis, huh. doesn't make a difference what solution you put to the table, it will fail. Go to a doctor and the doctor misdiagnoses you, doesn't make a difference what medication or surgery he tells you to do, it won't solve your problem. So here we are putting our trust in Smutrich and Bengvir to potentially be defense minister and interior, inter, minister of the security of the interior. Don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we're putting our trust in them because they are coming with the correct diagnosis. So even though they don't have the experience as high up officers in the army or the police, but once they come in as the ministers in charge of those, uh, those bodies with the correct diagnosis, they can take charge and ensure the correct solutions and the correct way the army and police deal with this internal enemy. And it's an internal enemy because we have a fifth column that the official authorities in the state of Israel have been so brainwashed by the progressive agenda, they are not willing to look at them as a fifth column. But we have to start looking at them as a fifth column and only then with that diagnosis be able to have the solutions to take care of those who truly support terror and violence against us, get rid of them so that those Arabs who truly want to live peaceful lives, enjoying life, living in the Jewish state of Israel, where they are the most blessed Arab Muslims of the Middle East, can live peacefully. So that's that. those, those are the thoughts. Well, this is fascinating. And we have a huge non-Jewish audience and a lot of Christian Zionists who love Israel even more than a lot of Jews. And a lot of what you are saying overlaps with their freedoms to go to Bethlehem. Because let's be realistic, radical Islamic terrorists want to destroy Judeo-Christian values, not just Jews are number one, but also the whole values tied to Judeo-Christian beliefs. And I'm sure that a lot of the Christians that live with you and surround you are supporting your efforts as well. Listen, just to specifically talk about Bethlehem, it's really, really important you brought that up, and especially for your Christian listeners. Everyone knows, I mean, besides the fact Bethlehem is important to the Jews, one, because uh, they, so many Jewish stories in the Bible took place there. Like, I, I look at the fields of Bethlehem, and every holiday of Shavuot, where we read Megillat Ruth, 
the whole story of Megillat's roots, of, of Ruth and Naomi working in the fields. All the fields are right below my porch. I see where the story of Ruth took place. And I take my children out there every year on the holiday of Shavuot saying, look, guys, the Bible isn't just a storybook. It's a real book. Those stories happened and they happened right here. And Bethlehem also, besides being important to the Jews, is important to, to, to Christianity. Before the Palestinian Authority was given rule over Bethlehem, Bethlehem was a majority Christian city. Unfortunately, part of the peace process that the Western world pushed Israel to do back in the 1990s with Yitzhak Rabin and the arch-terrorist Arafat that then put Bethlehem under the control of the Palestinian Authority, well, once the Muslims were in control, guess who was oppressed and guess who started leaving en masse from Bethlehem? The Christians. The Christians today are a persecuted minority in the city of Bethlehem. Forget about the fact that it's forbidden for Jews to live there. And Jews should... If Jews are allowed to live in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, it shouldn't be forbidden for Jews to live in the biblical Bethlehem in the land of Israel. Am I wrong there? But yet it's forbidden for Jews to live in our biblical Bethlehem, which is right across off of my porch. I could see it. And Christians have run away because they're a persecuted minority under the Muslims. And that's also something the Christian world is silent about, which boggles my mind. I know Christians come understand what, what I'd be complaining about, but it boggles my mind that little to no voices within the Christian world have been vocal about the persecution of the Christian population in Bethlehem, where the population gets slow, smaller and smaller every year. And I'm almost positive mostly all of the shops and restaurants there today that are open during Christmas season, when Christians come en masse to visit Bethlehem, they're mostly all run by Muslims because the Christians ran away. Very few Christians remain to live in Bethlehem and enjoy the holiness that it is to them being Christians. And again, that's taking out of the Jewish people's hands and I'm throwing it out to the Christians. Go to your priests, go to your pastors, go to your organizations. Do the deep dive yourself. Look up the, don't believe me about anything. Look on the stats, the statistics about the population of the Christians in Bethlehem. Look up what happens to them. It's not that many articles they they will see are going to be, they're anti-Israel. They're going to blame Israel. But it can't be us. We're not in control there anymore. It's the Palestinian Authority that has been in control there since the 1990s. Do your own deep dive and then go to your leaders in your Christian communities. Why the silence? Why aren't we making a whole a whole balagan, as we say in, in, in Hebrew, or a whole deal of the fact that we've been persecuted in the city of Bethlehem. You know, I really went over. I'm not even going to have my closing. So we're going to do the closing together because this is, I think, you know, everybody expects me as the Jewess patriot to talk about the Jewish issues and the anti-Semitism and Donald Trump and all the Jewish Republicans. But I think what you just brought up is probably so newsworthy. I, I can't explain it enough how we have more in common with our Christian brethren who want to be a part of our lives, who want to share Israel you know, from the historical ways and understand and live day-to-day -day lives peacefully. And they are just as much under attack. And we, you're right, no one discusses it. And if we're talking about so many things that are, you know, we're talking about Hanukkah now and Christmas, and we're talking about uh, the elections in both uh, countries. And of course, maybe the return of the B.B. Trump situation and friendship there. I mean, it's really very important for everybody's New Year's resolutions if they're going to have their December 31st New Year, because I say Jews are very lucky, we get too. But their New Year's resolution should be asking these questions about why so many leaders in both religions are silent yep. and all governments are silent about it. Yep. And so talking about silence right now in not many Americans will know about it because it's soccer, but the World Cup for soccer is being played in Qatar right now. Right. That's a Muslim country. It's a Muslim country that is also horrible because it supports Hamas and it's the main financial backer of Al Jazeera, which is anti-America and anti-Israel, anti anti-Semitic. 
horrible, horrible what Qatar is. But the world, the world powers, the Western world, they allowed the World Cup to be played to be played in Qatar. Qatar ch- said that they would allow di- certain rules that uh, non-Muslims, Christians, and Jews would be able to pray, and that there would be special foods for them, especially Jews, the kosher food in order to go. Guess what? The games opened last night. What did Qatar announce yesterday? Sorry, no other religions allowed to publicly pray while they're in Qatar. Jews, we told you you have Jewish food. Sorry, no, we're not allowing any public food. We told you you'd have beer because people from all over the world are coming here. Sorry, we're not allowing beer because it's against our religion. Now understand, as a Jew, on that aspect, I look up to Qatar standing up for its religious principles. All right? They're standing up for their religious principles. But I call out the hypocrisy and the double standard of the Western world. Imagine if Israel would have done that. Imagine if a Christian country would have done that, right? All of a sudden imposed upon the general population of the whole world their religious rules forbidding everyone else from acting the way they wanted to act. You would have seen a whole, whatever, avalanche of news reporting and bashing the the Jewish country or the Christian countries or the Jewish communities doing that. But when it comes to the Muslim country of Qatar, silence. Double, double, double standard and hypocrisy. And I want to end on one positive note, if you will, if you'll allow me, Cindy. I will, because you're going to be at my closing. So go ahead. You do your closing and I'll do mine. So this is, this is my closing. And my closing is, first of all, everyone, Jew or non-Jew, come visit Israel. Come visit the Holy Land. It is such a beautiful country. It is amazing. You see the biblical prophecies come to life. I am part of the biblical prophecies. I moved here from New York in 1990. Now I have a whole family here. The biblical, the prophecies, the, the the prophets told us this would happen. The Jewish people would be back. I'm watching Jewish communities be built up uh, hill after hill, and we're fighting. We have to fight our own governments out to build our, our, our own communities. That's a different issue. But bottom line, when I go shopping, I go shopping in a special soup, in a special, and in the major supermarket in my area at a junction 10, 15 minutes from my house. That supermarket is called Rami Levy. It's a big chain all over Israel. Many Jews go shopping there. Many Arab Muslims go shopping there. Many of the workers are Arab Christians. You don't see more coexistence than when you go shopping for your groceries in the Judean hills. Now, you're told in the media that this, I'm a settler and I'm occupying and I'm, I'm in the West Bank and there's apartheid. Guys, I invite you, come, come, come visit. I will give you a personal tour of the Judean hills and I will take you down the roads where Jews and Arabs, Christians and Muslims all drive together the same roads. I will take you to this Rami Levy shopping center at Gush Etzion Junction and I will introduce you and show you, point out to you, those are Muslims. See how they're dressed? Those are the religious Muslims. You see how there's, those are the religious Jews. You see those workers? Those are the Christians. And we all live together daily, daily in peace, daily going shopping together. All we ask is for the world to get out of our business. The Western world brings destruction to the to the Middle East based on their very progressive left agenda and misdiagnosing reality, which hurts all of us, not just us, hurts all of us. That's right. And and it's up to us to to spread the truth. So Cindy, Cindy thank you so much for having me and, and giving me the platform to reach your audience with these messages. Well, I want to thank you. This was really probably one of the most exciting, definitely one of the most informative, because I like to talk about the uniting of all of us together. And I would just add, going on what's going on in the streets of New York, what's happening, I mean, first thing I saw Shabbos when I put on after Shabbos, uh, the TV, that synagogues in New York, there were serious threats to them. People in Brooklyn being kicked and knifed. It's not just guns. That's an excuse by those who want to fight our constitution. I will tell you, if you walk in the streets of Israel and you're careful, like you are in New York, you are just as safe, if not safer, because the Israeli government has had to take precautions since day one to protect its people. I just want to thank you. This show, I'm calling you from the land of Israel because the the interviews are from Israel, but it's really from my heart and home to yours. And that's the best 
pearls of wisdom I can close with because I am Ziesel Perel, sweet pearl in Yiddish, and you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the Jewess Patriot. And thank you, Avi Abelo. And I want to come to, you know, my next stop in Israel is your apartment so I can overlook all those things. Cindy, I am looking forward to it. And uh, you mind if I just put a pitch in for myself that anyone who wants to continue hearing my voice on a daily basis, they could just go to pulseofisrael.com and sign up for my daily videos or podcasts. And uh, also the message I give is one that connects us. We're all part of this global process, wake up process to make the world a better place. We're all in this together. So that's my message as well on a daily basis. And if you want, Avi does tours Throughout Israel, if you want to plan a group tour or a family tour, he does amazing tours. I've been lucky enough to be a part of them. You get to hear and see things that not the typical tourist sees and hears. So thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thanks for joining today's Cindy Gross Show, America's premier Jewish woman activist. Be sure to download Cindy's next show, as well as previous ones, available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Cindy Gross Show.